Welcome, listeners, to our David Fincher series review on The Game. What do you get for the man who has everything? Everything. Everything. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Maggie. I don't like her. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? October 12th. Nikki's birthday. This is for you. Consumer Recreation Services. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. What are you selling? It's a game. A game? Specifically tailored for each participant. John, chapter 9, verse 25. Whereas once I was blind, now I can see. Now I can see. One day your game begins. You either love it or hate it. Are you going to spend the rest of the evening prying at that clown's mouth? Mr. Van Orton, is everything all right? Ah, Mr. Van Orton. Have we met? I believe so. Why are you following me? Find out about a company called Consumer Recreation Services. They won't stop, Nick. He's in on it. I paid the bill. I paid him more to make it stop. I need the police. They're gonna break into my house. And be poisoned by a bunch of depraved children. They're trying to kill me. Who's behind this? Who did this to me? Why? This is all the game. Right now, I am extremely dangerous. You're behind the whole thing, aren't you? Make your life fun. So The Game, released in 1997, directed by, of course, David Fincher, his third film. The plot of the story is after a wealthy banker is given an opportunity to participate in a mysterious game, his life is turned upside down when he becomes unable to distinguish between the game and reality. Starring Michael Douglas, Sean Penn, and Deborah Kara Unger. We spoke about Deborah Kara Unger recently. Do you remember this one, Dean? Yeah, she was the chick that wasn't in that poker movie with Michael Imperioli. Wow, your memory is the spot Stu, on there. The Stu Unger story. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, yeah, weird that her last name's Unger. What what were we what was she in? Because I remember I said to you she was also in Crash, the James Spader one. What movie were we actually doing? <laughs> you remember all these little facts and trivia, but you cannot remember the movie we broke down that she was in. I mean, she terrible, wa- terrible, she- terrible. Oh, I do remember. Uh the weird one. Val Kilmer was the in weird it. One. What's the Val Kilmer yes. one called? I don't even know what it's called. Uh, Van- You're terrible. Is it v? Sol- v. The Sultan Sea. V- Volton's what? V. Yep. <laughs> where did I get V from? Oh, Val. That's where. You idiot. <gasps> wow. All right. Music by Howard Shaw. We've spoken about Howard Shaw before. He is a three-time Oscar winner, most notably for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Trilogy? Or uh, did he win for all of them, Hendo? I believe he won for the first and third one, and they didn't nominate him for the second one. Fair enough. Cinematography by Harris Savides, who also did another David Fincher film in Zodiac. I forgot Fincher did that one, because we've already done that, so we're not redoing it, obviously. No, obviously. It was actually directed Jonathan Mostow, who was originally attached to this project, and they were going to have Kyle MacLachlan and Bridget Fonda in the lead roles. Who is Kyle MacLachlan? Uh, he's the, the the main guy from like the Twin Peaks show. He was in. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah, you you know it. Awesome, yep. cool. Have you ever seen Twin Peaks? 
No, I've not seen a single thing about Twin Peaks. I mean, it's so well regarded, but no one ever talks yeah. about it. Well, David Lynch. Everyone loves a bit of Lynch. So Fincher came on board. He said he liked the various plot twists. Uh, he brought in Andrew Kevin Walker to rewrite the screenplay. Andrew Kevin Walker had just worked with him on Seven. They ended up making the character of Nicholas a bit more cynical in nature from what they originally had intended. Bit of, bit of a happy-go-lucky guy, was he? Much more happy-go-lucky than what he ended up being. <laughs> According to Fincher, there were three primary influences on the game. There was Michael Douglas's character was a fashionable, good-looking Scrooge, lured into a Mission Impossible situation with a steroid shot in the thigh from The Sting. What? Fashionably good-looking. Is, is that what you said? Fashionable, good-look, A fashionable, good-looking Scrooge. Okay. I guess. I mean, fashionable. It's so hard because, you know fashion changes. Fincher actually intended to make the game before Seven, but when Brad Pitt became available for Seven, they had to put that project as top priority, obviously. It was actually announced that Jodie Foster was going to be starring in this film. However, Fincher was uh, uncomfortable with putting an actor and a movie star of the stature of Jodie Foster in a supporting part. He considered rewriting the character of Conrad as Nicholas's daughter so that Foster could play the role. However, Michael Douglas didn't like this idea and requested it to change the character to his sister, which then Jodie Foster found peculiar because Douglas is almost 20 years her senior. So due to the differences in opinions and a bit of a scheduling conflict with the movie Contact, Jodie Foster could not appear in the film. Luckily, though, they did keep in contact because she would later team up with Fincher for Panic Room. That's right. We'll be doing that next week. But in the end, Conrad was offered to Jeff Bridges, but he ended up declining and they got Sean Penn instead. What do you think of Jeff Bridges as nah, Conrad? He's too serious. You need someone like really different to bounce off uh, Michael Douglas. Fair enough. Going back to Jodie Foster, though, she alleged that she and Polygram, the company that made the film, had orally agreed to, that she would appear in the film. Nice. And when this didn't transpire, she took out a $54 million loan. <laughs> Damn it, I almost got through it. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought you were going to hold your composure there, Hendo, but you've uh, you've let yourself down yet again. <laughs> I can't help it with you, you fucking asshole. <laughs> she took out a fifty-four million dollar lawsuit against the company, and the matter was settled out of court. That is a ridiculously large amount of money. I don't think she got that amount. I no, think she but got, but oh, yeah, like she's suing them for much, much more than she would have ever earned from doing the movie. Yeah, well, why not? Because she knows if the, the, she know she probably knows they're going to settle it out of court and it's going to probably go back down to the amount she got. Yeah, it's good though that that didn't poison her relationship with Fincher. No, no, because it had nothing to do with Fincher. It had some, it had everything to do with the company. Still, do you really want someone on set who's liable to sue you? Well, he he didn't get sued. He doesn't care. She's still one of him. those people though. One of those I'll sue you people. Nobody likes those people, Hendo. Well, maybe there's some trivia about something that happened in Panic Room coming up. We'll find out next week. So for the visual look of Nicholas's wealthy lifestyle, Fincher and Harris Savides wanted a rich and supple feel and took references from films like The Godfather, which featured visual appealing locations with ominous intentions lurking under the surface. Once Nicholas left his protective world, he and Savides would let fluorescent neon signs and other lights in the background be overexposed to let things get a bit wilder out in the real world. Did you pick up on any of that? Did I pick up on the fluorescent lighting? I think there was one scene maybe when he walks into his, his house. I think if you look closely in the background on the wall, there's a little bit of it. A little tiny bit in the big overexposed neon scene. Yeah. Very subtle, Fincher. But this was released on the 12th of, the 12th of September in 1997 with a runtime of 129 minutes with a tagline of, what do you get for the man who has everything? Good tagline. Strong. Yeah, I like that one. 
budget of $50 million and worldwide grossed $109 million. So probably broke about even. Yeah, but I, I've, it probably did even better, though, because he'd just come off seven. I imagine if this had come before seven, it probably wouldn't have done 109. Yeah, can you imagine that? From the director of Alien 3. Like, oh, God. <laughs> So David Fincher actually admitted in interviews that he is not proud of this film. He has explained that he was constantly fighting with the executives and that he agreed with his wife. Uh, how would you say this name? C-E-A-N. Cian. Nice. I like it. Cian Chafin or Chaffin. How would you say that? <laughs> I'm sure she's Chafin. <laughs> Chaffin. Happens to let's the be best resp- of us, Hendo. <laughs> let's, let's be respectful. Cian Chaffin, who, ended up, who actually produced the film... I'm going to say this again. His, his producer wife said that he should have never made the film, citing that they couldn't get the third act. He said it was it was entirely his fault because he thought if you could just keep your foot on the throttle, it would be liberating and funny. Hold on. He was going for funny in this film, Endo? <laughs> Did wow. you all have a laugh at some things? Uh, I mean, I think of the game, and I watched it two days ago. I don't think of anything funny. Uh, yes, the comedy of the game. But let's look at some scores here. Rotten Tomatoes. Actually, I want to I want to start a little game here for you, Dean. Do you think that the critics? Do you think that the Rotten Tomatoes critics or audience gave it a better score? I will say critics. Okay, critics gave it a seventy-four, and audience gave it eighty-four. And I would be wrong. That's true. One of many to come. Metacritic give it a sixty-one. Letterbox give it a three point seven, and IMDb currently have this at seven point eight over three hundred thirty-six thousand ratings. Nice. Yep, not bad across the board there. So our second David Fincher film review in our David Fincher series. I don't think it's going to be hard to better Alien 3, but let's see where it ends up. Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything over on at patreon.com slash themoviejourney. And we've got over 70 bonus episodes over there, including film series such as the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series. We've also gone through some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only podcast that we put out on the regular. Exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. And Dean said it's spot on patreon.com slash the movie journey. Go ahead and head over there and check out all the rewards and benefits we have to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all. 